On April 17, 1975, when the Khmer Rouge communists uh, took over Cambodia, everything was changed, like turned the world upside down. Welcome to Connections with Rich and Bobby. Hi, this is Rich, Rich Homeris. And I'm Bobby, Bobby Hamlin. Now, we had the privilege of meeting a person who's had an extraordinary life of severe challenges, but followed by victory. He's Pastor Shamram Paul. Now, hear him tell his story of how the simple words, Save me, Jesus, helped him to endure the terror that was soon to engulf his peaceful village in Cambodia. was uh, life in Cambodia growing up as a child? I think that many years ago, it, uh, during the, um, the 60, I was born in the 58, and uh, this, during the 60, life was it's, it's, it's good, and pleasures, and uh, hopeful, enjoyable, and everything was fine and good and fruitful, also the country. And and uh, prosper. Did you come from a big family? Yes, and I have a uh, fifteen sibling. Fifteen. Yes, one five. Wow. And uh, before I was born, and uh, three of my sibling was uh, passed away. My mom was miscarriage. Oh. Yes. And so we had twelve. So I am number six in the middle. Oh wow. And uh, also that. Um, our family been so blessed because I can testify that by the grace of God, it's very hard to find a family with 12 siblings educated. That's and we, wonderful. We, we were so blessed and from the little brother to the big brother, number one. So, and uh, we're so blessed that we all gone to school. That's wonderful. And even though our father is a military and he served and got just a little bit of the income, but we all together, but mom, grandma, strive together, and they made food sell, so we support our grandma and our mother every day. I, even myself, had to get up in the early morning before school started around 4 a.m. to go mm. buy something for my mom, prepare food. Sure. And then after school, and so we take food, go out to, through the village and sell the food too. Mm. And what about your faith? Were you... Raised in a Christian home? Yes, we were raised from the Christian home, a devout Catholic. It's a, it's a Christian home. And uh, um, I'm so grateful for my father. My parent was a godly parent. That's wonderful. And I can uh, recount that uh, not much they explained the, the gospel from the Bible, but the way they lived their life. And then they always mentioned God, you know, fear God and come worship God, serve God at the church. Mm-hmm. All the time they want to worship the Lord God and the church and weaken and serve and clean up the church and prepare for Sunday. So it's part of your life. Yes, part of life. It's yes. daily routine and help serve the community and serve the family and uh, um, support the community. And then my uh, big brother and sisters, and they uh, interpret for the English speaking. They help uh, call humanitarian aid. They give uh, food and medicine and and uh, and clothes to the people in need. Oh, wonderful! And um, 
what is the um, the prevalent religion there? Uh, were yes, there a lot of Christians? Was, was Buddhist? Yes, mostly was Buddhist. The Cambodia was a Buddhist country, and very few uh, uh, Christianity and other religion. And how was that transition? You were mentioning that uh, you had a family that was worshiping together. You had uh, peace throughout your uh, your town and your area. Right. And then things changed. What happened that yes. uh, made that change? Um, on April 17, 1975, when the Khmer Rouge communists uh, took over Cambodia, everything was changed. They turned the world upside down. Mm. So no more religion, no freedom, and they allow us only three days. You had to pack everything and then move away from the city. Where did they want everyone to go? They, they, they forced people out to the forest, scattered all over the country, and not in the city. So that mean made the city was like a ghost town. Wow. Why was that? Why wouldn't they just try to uh, liberate the people and have the people follow this new regime? I think that uh, uh, mostly, as we noticed that three years, eight months, and 20 days in the genocide uh, regime, we noticed that mostly it's personal and personal vengeance. Oh. So, and then when, when the Khmer Rouge took over control, the whole country of Cambodia, they take revenge. They try to eliminate educator, professor, anyone, even though the farmer have a lighter skin, was wrongfully accused that they was a business person or educator. They kill in soldiers. Student, they kill. A terrible situation for a young person growing up like Shamron to experience, seeing his whole world change right before his eyes. Yes, something many of us just hear about but never have to encounter ourselves. And we'll continue our visit with Pastor Shamram in just a moment. His story gets more and more intense, so stay with us. You're listening to Connections with Rich and Bobby, and we'd love to connect with you. Just go to our website at Connections with Rich and Bobby. That's one word, and Bobby is spelled B-O-B-B-I dot com. That's Connections with Rich and Bobby dot com. Now, all of our podcasts are posted there, along with our contact information. Also, you can connect with us on social media by friending us on Facebook, post on Instagram, tweet us on Twitter, or listen to our program on Pandora. Now, let's return to our visit with Shamron Paul and hear what happened when the Khmer Rouge soldiers entered his village. How was that for you? You were in a uh, village, in a city, and you were really um, having a pretty good life, and then all of a sudden, chaos occurs, and you're taken out into the uh, the fields. Were you taken together as a family out to the fields, or yes, were you separated? Yes, everyone. And um, the, the harder thing, because during the Republic, uh, uh, a few families of the Khmer Rouge communists they entered our village, and then my parents were graciously, they don't know where to go, they don't know anyone. My parents were graciously opened their home, I mean, made by hut, allow them to live under a roof. So mm. that means those few Khmeru's family, they knew everything about us. Oh, so did that come to work against you? We don't know yet, and not until they took over con- to control over the whole country. 
and then um, they accuse us that we are uh, led to American government or politics because we have uh, American priests at our church in that village. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we were students. My brother was a commando. My father was an army. Yes. So it would be a lot of persecution, and they tried to kill us all. So we escaped. We had to shatter and scatter to different villages. Oh, so did your family split up yeah, at that split, time? Yeah, we split right after that. So, but first, uh, first few months we together, and then when we know that they tried to kill us, we escaped. Oh, so now you're on your own. Yes, we're on our own, and mostly, and then they they separate us. I mean, uh, from children, group of children, young men and young women, and then older people who can't work in the field, they can work at home, take care of little, ba- little children, and do some work at, at home in the village. Mm-hmm. So everyone had a job. Now with the children, were they trying to um, indoctrinate you to their ways? Sometimes when you're under the parents' roof, you hear from the parents and learn from the parents. But uh, in a totalitarian state like communism, did they try to split you up to try yes. to um, get you to convert to yes. uh, their way of life? Yes, that, that's what every communist leaders and government do to the people. And so during those times, the, um, they brainwash children. They teach children that they are no longer the children of the parents. They are the children of the communist government. Mm. They were trained and brainwashed. They even killed their own parents too, those children. Oh. In front of their eyes, oh. and and we work hard. I mean, over ten hours a day during those times. Get up around four a.m. in the morning, every day, and oh. then at five or six p.m. go back to the shelters. Now they had threatened you. Did you lose any family members? Yes, among the twelve siblings, so we we lost four the sibling. Oh. and two grandpa and a nephew and nieces, about 20 people in my family that I have remembers were killed and died during those times. Mm-hmm. Even so myself, was over 10 times I've been tortured and almost got killed during those times wow. too. How was that for a young person to be taken out and to be beaten and to be tortured? Uh, were they trying to break your will or was it because of disobedience? Um, because during the Khmer Rouge communist regime, there's no, no law system. You don't have to do anything big. Even you steal just one piece of paper, and you can be killed. Oh. No stealing, and uh, no freedom to go from place to place. No freedom to talk uh, foreign language, only Cambodian. And you can't even mention that, oh, you know, I wish that in the morning we have coffee or noodles. No, you can't even say that. And you can even just just say out loud because everywhere you go, always spied. So you couldn't trust anyone. You can't trust anyone. Even sometimes you can't trust your own family. Your own family betrayed you. Oh. So how did your faith help you during this time? This is, a, is one of the amazing work that God has done in my life. As you have known that, you know, devout Catholic is just, just believe in Jesus. But... Every day was mostly mentioned, you know, the name of Mary, Joseph, and all the apostles, all the saints of God, you know, just cry out to them. But when, yeah, when April 17, 1975, when the Khmer Communists took over, so the Lord Jesus himself just completely transformed me and changed me. 
and, and teach me a new way of life, how to pray. Three words, save me, Jesus. It forever change. Yeah. That echoes uh, Romans 10, verse 13. Yes. It says, forever who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right. so... Did any scripture verses or anything from the Bible help you uh, during that time, or was it just uh, save me, Jesus? Yeah, I, I, I didn't even know there was in the Bible when I cried out, save me, Jesus. And later on, until I, I gave my heart to Jesus and studied the scripture, I, I realized it was in the Bible. But the very first scripture that I ever heard and memorized, I even sing every day with my parents, my family, 23rd Psalm. I don't even know that was in the Bible either because, because I, I, I never been instructed directly from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then I remember that for 17 years before yeah. the Khmer Rouge took over every day. So when the Khmer Rouge took over, so the Lord kind of used that to encourage me, to edify me, to empower me to live as a person to trust in Jesus. So when I, I noticed that the moment I cry out, save me, Jesus, it was always a miracle happen. A clear reminder of God's promise to each of us as declared in Romans 10, verse 13, which says, for whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, Lord. And we'll be continuing to share Pastor Paul's life story of his miraculous survival living in the killing fields of Cambodia on our next program. So be sure to join us then and spread the word by inviting others to listen in as well. Also, if you'd like to read his story in detail, it's all in the book Escaping the Tiger's Claws by author Susan Bailey Burke. And it's available wherever books are sold. That's the book, Escaping the Tiger's Claws. You're listening to Connections with Rich and Bobby, and we'd love to have you subscribe to our podcast on this platform or any of the others like iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Also, if you've missed a program or would like to hear this current one again or to invite others to listen, just go to our website at connectionswithrichandbobby.com. This is Connections, connecting with one another as Romans 1 verse 12 says, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So thank you for listening. And remember, tell others and spread the word, God's word. And don't forget to join us next time on Connections with Rich and Bobby. Bobby.